The Guardian. This is Guardian Election Daily. Hello again, this is Michael White with the Daily Election Podcast. We're in the very affluent uh, constituency of Richmond Park today, where Susan Kramer, the local Lib Dem MP, Clegg mania before it became fashionable, uh, is defending her seat against another very high-profile candidate, Zach Goldsmith, former non-dom, multimillionaire, son of Sir Jimmy Goldsmith, David Cameron's keenest uh, ecologist. We're going to hear from them both later in the programme. But as so often happens when you're out on the election trail, something big happens somewhere else. And of course, today, everything's been overtaken by what's essentially a trivial incident. Gordon Brown talks to a voter... Uh, leaves his microphone off and then makes unguarded remarks in the car afterwards and uh, we can all predict the picture of Mr Brown in his distress head on hands is going to be all over the front pages tomorrow all over the TV news uh, so we're running to catch up here's what happened I was a person who came in and three main things what I was drummed in when I was a child with Mike was education health service and looking after people who are vulnerable and that's what that's what my life but there's too many people now mm. who, who aren't vulnerable but they can claim and people who are vulnerable can't get claimed but they can't should get but it. they shouldn't be doing that there is no life on the door for people anymore if you're unemployed you've got to go back to work it's at six you, months you, you, at you six can't months say anything about the immigrants because you're saying that you're you're, no. uh, you're but all these eastern europeans what are coming in uh, Where are they flocking well, from? A million people come from Europe, but a million people, British people, have gone into Europe. You, know, you do know there's a lot of British people staying in Europe as well. Look, come back to what you were, your initial principles, helping people. That's what we're in the business of doing. A decent health service, that's really important. And education. Now, these are the things that we have tried to do. We're going to maintain the schools so that we can make sure that people have that chance to get on. Thanks, Gordon. Thanks, Anna. Thanks. Take Thanks. care. Thanks very much. Good to see you all. Good to see you. Thanks very much. That was a disaster. Well, just... She'd never have put me with up with that woman. Whose idea was that? I don't know. I didn't see. That's Sue, I think. They're just ridiculous. They will go with it. Oh, everything. She's just a sort of bigoted woman that said she used to be Labour. I mean, it's ridiculous. What did I think about it? Well, two things. Could have happened to anybody. Do you remember John Major being caught with an open microphone saying there were several bastards in his cabinet? So easily done. That said, uh, Mr Brown has a bad habit of reaching around for someone to blame when things go wrong. And it sounds as if this is very much his instinct today. So it will play and it will crystallise a view of the Prime Minister in the public mind, which his advisers, uh, I'm confident of, would rather not uh, be placed there a week before polling day. Uh, We live in a highly orchestrated, highly scripted uh, campaign environment these days. You don't get much heckling, you don't get much spontaneity. This was a spontaneous moment, less attractive than John Prescott's punch, but very comparable. Uh, But John Dennis, uh, safely in our London studio, uh, is taking soundings. So over to you, John. What's the verdict? I'm with the editor of our election website, Matt Wells, and with The Guardian's columnist, Madeline Bunting. Uh, Madeline, how damaging is this for Gordon Brown? This is awful. It's awful. It was such a good exchange. It's exactly what elections are all about. And the contempt he shows in that tiny little phrase, the contempt for the voter. She's a really 
you know, so well informed. That woman was remarkable. She's exactly what British democracy is all about. She's challenging. She knows exactly what her rights should be, what they are, what her family have benefited from, what they haven't. She's right on the money. And he's just got nothing but contempt. Bigoted is not the right word to have used. Matt, Gordon Brown at his worst, really, wasn't it? Well, it was, and it, it was. It just shows, and it plays into all this stuff that we we know from the Andrew Rawnsley book about his short temper and the fact that he gets angry really quickly and that he blames other people when things go wrong. He was blaming his aide, Sue, probably Sue Nye, for <laughs> getting him into the in, into the trouble. The thing is, is that, you know, in his sort of Gordonish kind of way, he kind of dealt with it quite well. I mean, as Madeleine said, she had a she was quite challenging. Uh, she had a lot to say for herself, but but he had answers for everything that uh, uh, that that she was challenging him on and if it, that had been that that would have been it would have played out on the evening news sure but i think it would have played quite favorably for bran and then he threw it all away as madeline said by that just disastrous disastrous co- uh, uh, comment and now he's turned what was quite a good day on policy debate into a disastrous day on uh, on the on the gaff and uh, I mean, as Matt said, Madeline, uh, you know, Gordon Brown, um, one of, one of, he's often accused of being shifty. You know, he said in his post gaff interview with Jeremy Vine that uh, he's got, appeared to deny it had happened. He said, if I had said something like that, and then the clip was played to him. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it'll make people's minds up, won't it? Um, some, some floating voters, at least. I, I think so, absolutely. And as Matt said, as it was going to be a day about policy, that's what Brown's been asking for. And now it's going to be a day all about Brown's character, about this two set of two-facedness, you know, bye-bye everybody, bye-bye, sounding all nice and cheery until the minute he was inside the car and the whole tone of his voice shifted. Uh, you know, I think this is just really damaging. And uh, Matt, I mean, today was supposed to be about the economy. Mm. Uh, and it's now about immigration as well, isn't it? A lot of people are concerned about this. Uh, the woman asked Gordon Brown about it. And uh, for her troubles, um, she was called a bigoted woman. Yeah, and a lot of people around the country have concerns about immigration. And like Gillian Duffy, they won't think of themselves as bigoted. They, they will think that they're just ordinary people who have uh, perfectly reasonable concerns about a an issue of political importance and this doesn't just show that Gordon Brown thinks Gillian Duffy is a bigot it it will suggest that he thinks all people with these kinds of views are bigoted now what she said was you know goodness me I mean Madeline knows knows better than I do there's a a, a, you know a, a lot of stuff out there that you could call bigoted I'm not sure that that, that what what she said was 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 remo- anywhere near what were the, the the kind of stuff that you hear from BNP Heartland. No, I mean her, her exact words were: "You can't say anything about the immigrants. All these Eastern Europeans, what are coming in? Where are they flocking from?" Hmm. Well, well, it's interesting because you know, as Matt talks about it, I wonder whether the bigotry is is just about the immigration issue. I mean, we've all jumped on assuming that that's what made Brown say she was a bigot, but. There is a general, a more broader point, which is that Labour has found it really hard to understand why people so, are so, as they say, ungrateful. The ungrateful voter. You know, look what, look at what we've done for you. Children's centres, left, right, and centre. Massive increases in spending in education and health, and yet you're still cross with us. And I remember Matthew Taylor when he was head of research at Downing Street talked about adolescent voters. You know, that they, they kind of complain all the time. They want loads of money and carry on complaining. Um, but that's just what people are like, aren't they? I mean, it's it's no different from any other election. And people, this is what voters are like. They will not thank you for all the marvellous things that you've done. And you've just got to accept it and get over it, don't 
Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's a it's it's a kind of more striking characteristic of contemporary electorates. You know, they're very demanding. They have very high expectations of what political systems are supposed to provide. And you know, Labour's got really sort of burnt by it. They feel mm. really sort of exhausted trying to meet the rising needs of you know rising expectations of voters. I think that's part of the story. Mm. This might not be catastrophic though, might it? I mean, in two thousand and one, John Prescott punched a voter, and he, he lived to tell the tale. I mean, uh, well, well, and he referred to he joked about it even in the title of his bio, of his autobiography, and it didn't it didn't do him any harm because, well, do you remember the person who got him off the hook? It was Tony Blair when he was asked about it and said, "Oh, you know, John is John," and and suddenly that defused it, and and that shows Tony Blair's brilliance for that kind of thing. I'm not sure, Gordon Brown. What will he will have to do is he will have to find some way of of defusing this, and he doesn't have the the natural touch to be able to shrug off things like this. This isn't coming from nowhere. We've had years of people complaining about Brown's character in one way or another. You know, his colleagues don't like him. They've tried to get him out of office several times, only very recently within the last few months. So, you know, what what we're getting here is recorded precisely the allegations that Andrew Ronsley was making in his book. You know, it's I think it's really hard how you defuse this one. But then I'm not a spin doctor, am I? Madeline, Matt, many thanks. Now the Guardian's Martin Wainwright has been to Rochdale to hear from some of Mrs Duffy's neighbours. I'm just with a couple of neighbours who come back and found the world's media occupying their street. How does it feel? What's your reaction to the whole business of what Gordon Brown did? Well, I think someone so high up in the spotlight should be more careful of what they're saying. Fair enough he apologised, but still should be careful what they're saying in the future. Is it a case of, you know, saying two things? I mean, he, when he spoke to in public, he, he seemed to be all right, and then these remarks were caught on the microphone. It seemed like a bit two-faced. Yeah, yeah, definitely two-faced. <laughs> I've just come to the neighbour. I think I was overhearing. Is it Jamie Buckley? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and again, what, what's your view of it all? I think it's all very funny and very amusing. I think he should turn his mic off next time when he's finished an interview and take everyone's views into account, shouldn't he? And although it's amusing, it, could, it looks like it's having a, a real effect on how people think of him, so it could, it could actually sway things. I think it will do around here. There's a lot of elderly people around here. I don't vote, personally, so... You don't vote? No. Is, is that any is reason that a have... choice? Don't vote. Never no. have done. And this wouldn't make you think, well, you know, I will make a decision this time? Not really. I might go down. I might do. Yeah. I might vote for David Cameron this time. Now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you wonder if that's. And people have been saying Mrs. Duffy is exactly the sort of person Labour needs to keep. And and by behaving like this, you know, it's not just her who alienated. Right. Alienated a lot of people around here because they've all got the same views. I think. Martin Wainwright in Rochdale. Well, now it's back to Michael White. Meanwhile, back here in what we call the real world, at least Richmond Park, uh, we tracked Zach Goldsmith to a pub in the New Malden end of the constituency, not by any means the most prosperous, uh, and we found him chain-smoking roll-up uh, uh, cigarettes from his Ritzler papers. Uh, very uh, laid-back, very fluent, as you'd expect him to be. As you'd expect, too, that old Etonian charm. Here he is. No, look, I love politics. That's why I got involved. I think there's a lot you can do despite its flaws. I think politics is still a place you can make stuff happen. That's why I got involved. That's why a lot of people get involved. But the game of politics, which is a very different thing, and it obviously heats up in the run-up to an election, I think um, it is, is, is a game which is, uh, uh, leaves a lot to be desired. What's happened to you here in affluent and beautiful Richmond Park? Well, I, I've I've had a um I, I mean I've been a candidate here for now about two years, but I find now I'm just to put it in context. If I knock on ten doors with you this afternoon, assuming they actually open the doors, not everyone's in. But assuming we have ten conversations, I would estimate that at least half of them 
people we talk to will come out and say, I was thinking about conservative, but I'm worried about the fact that you changed your mind about Heathrow expansion. Or I'm worried about the fact that you're going to take away the winter fuel allowance. Or I'm worried about the fact that you want to charge people for using Richmond Park or that you want to uh, uh, turn your back on Kingston Hospital or that you're buying the vote here, etc. And these are the direct result of an extraordinary misleading uh, literature campaign by the Liberal Democrats. And it's, it is, you know, it's one thing being... It's on behalf of Susan Kramer, the sitting MP. Susan, absolutely. I and mean, look, it's one, one thing someone's saying, like, I, I don't think that, you know, wealthy people should, should be in politics or you're a tough and, and, you know, how can you represent us or we don't like Tory policies or we don't agree with your priorities on this or we like Heathrow expansion, whatever it happens to be. That is legitimate. That's democracy. I may not agree with the arguments, but that's, that is democracy. What I don't like is when people are very deliberate misled because I think actually when a politician engages in, in, in misrepresentation on a routine basis you're actually tricking people at a crucial point, tricking people in the run up to an election and I think that goes right to the heart of democracy itself, I think it's much worse than anything that happened in the expenses scandal uh, uh, many many times worse What's this about posters, Goldsmith posters being pulled down. <laughs> posters, well uh, look, last night uh, uh, there were three people, as far as I know, possibly more who called the police because they saw people dismantling conservative posters in the area. And we've actually just discovered, we've totted it up, and we've got almost 100 posters have been taken down. Somewhere between 80 and 100 posters have been taken down in the last 10 days. And it's all not, over or in all, one no, no, All over the constituency. It happened last Organized night. Organised job. For sure. It, all, all the way from Kingston to Barnes. There's quite a big gap mm. between the two. And they were seen. So these were people, these weren't drunk young thugs. These were people getting out of posh cars with, uh, you know, carefully, you know, people who were perfectly well dressed. What constitutes a posh car <laughs> in a rich Park. That's a very good question. I'm not a car expert. Smart cars, nice-looking cars, I should say. I don't know what they're, whether they're posh or not. But these aren't drunk thugs. This is an organised campaign. Who's organising it? I don't know. But I would, I'd be willing to take, make an educated guess. Are you going to make one? <laughs> you, you tell me. Who am I up against? Okay. I'm up against the Lib Dems. This is what they do. Okay. Later on, when we found Susan Kramer in Richmond Town Centre, we put these allegations to her. Pretty robust reply at her end too. We deal constantly with sort of innuendo and you know personalised attacks, and basically, just simply, I ignore them. I mean, it's so who outrageous. Took these, who took these posters down? I haven't a clue, but it's outrageous. People here know the Liberal Democrats. We've been around here as councillors, fighting campaigns, uh, um, fighting campaigns for Westminster over many years. They will know Liberal Democrats as their neighbours. They know Liberal Democrat activists. We don't go out and damage posters. I mean. It happens, unfortunately, that posters get damaged. We go round just looking for ours and see where they've been torn down, and then we put them so back up again. Yours have been torn down normal. too, have they? It's a, it has happened to us in every single campaign. We've never made an issue of it. I don't think it's a good way for people to behave, but it no. does happen. The fate of uh, Kingston Hospital, which is in the Richmond constituency, and, of course, the expansion of Heathrow Airport, the third runway. Uh, Zach Goldsmith says that unfair allegations are made against him and his party by the Lib Dems. Again, Susan Kramer comes back with a, uh, a vigorous denial. Oh. I wish we didn't have to defend the hospital that we do. I mean, very kindly whistleblowers have sent us some of the internal documents. They're up on our website and people can see that there are something like 18 options, 16 of which involve major cuts at Kingston Hospital. A&E and maternity, that sort of thing? A&E and maternity, paediatric inpatient and elective surgery. So it's absolutely serious and it's a battle that we have to fight. Well, Kingston Hospital is a very big issue here. There was a campaign that came, that blew up um, a, a couple of months ago 
Lib Dem campaign called Save Kingston Hospital and it sent the fear of God through the community. People were terrified. Susan Kramer was right to ask tough questions but there's a very big difference between asking tough questions, informing the public about what she was doing and sending out a campaign, huge posters saying Save Kingston Hospital which implies in people's minds that there's a direct threat. She even said there are secret plans, there are specific plans and there aren't. We're nine months into a 28-month review. That beginning process is a brainstorm. Lots of outlandish ideas are included but we're nowhere near, we I say, we are not part of the review, but the review is nowhere near making a conclusion. Now, our view is very simple. Yes, every single thing in this country that requires public money is in trouble, potentially. We're in a recession. Cut. There are going to have to be cuts across the board. So MPs have to stand up for their services. The BBC is going to have to watch its back. Anything that requires public money is going to have to really look after its own interests, and that's what MPs need to be doing on behalf of their constituents. But that's a long way away from scaring the hell out of the community. Okay. We haven't had a, an Etonian prime minister since I was a teenager, which is over 40 years ago. What does it tell us about the fact that it looks as if we're going to get one? Well, I'm glad you're optimistic. I hope so. Um, what does it tell us? I, it, I think it says that people are more interested in the ideas. I hope so. I mean, we do have a bit of an X-factor uh, um, X uh, uh, um, election going on, yep. which is very volatile. It's very odd. On one level, it's good because it's engaged a lot of people. On another level, I think there are a lot of people who are going to make their decision based on either no information or misinformation. I don't think the political debate's been that good in this country. Um, but I think the fact that people are willing to put in place, I hope, uh, an old Etonian as a prime minister suggests that they are more interested in the issues and less interested in the packaging. Susan Kramer. Gordon Brown's had a terrible disaster today, the kind of thing which might happen to any elective politician, an unguarded moment on an open microphone. What's your reaction to that? I mean, to be honest, I've, I've, I've heard only very little of the details and all of it second or third hand. I suppose all I can say is that that's a, when you're with members of the public... It's really important to respect their views, and and I think you probably owe that to the public, whether you're, you know, whether there's a microphone on or whether there isn't a microphone. Thank you. Right, you've heard there from both the candidates, and in the interest of transparency, I should say that Zach Goldsmith brought Phil Maynard and me a drink, but it's all right, we're not his constituents, so it's not against the law. It's, the law is called treating, you're not allowed to do it. But one of his uh, constituents, people he hasn't bought a drink for, think we stopped people in the street and we got some good answers. Excuse me, madam, we're asking people about the election locally. Do you vote in Richmond Park? I do, Who yes. Who do you vote for? Um, should I say? If you want to, you don't have to. Yes, Conservative. Uh, and you've not been particularly impressed by Nick Clegg? He's flavour of the month, although he's been sort of popular around Richmond for ages. Hasn't yes, definitely, but uh, I think I'm going to go for a Conservative. Okay, not switching there, thank you. I'm normally floating voter, yeah. Which way are you floating this time? Uh, I'm going to vote Lib Dem this time. Uh, you voted Conservative before or Labour? No, normally Labour before. Normally Labour. And uh, is it Susan Kramer or Kramer uh, that you're attracted to, or don't you like Zach Goldsmith? Or uh, No, I'm just going to... I think probably the Lib Dem policies are more in line with my views than the Conservative one. Who's going to win here, R Richmond Park? Uh, it's a very, very close between uh, the Libs and the Conservatives. Uh, Liberal Dem held. Uh, what sort of impact is Zach Goldsmith making? Making a fairly good impact, I think. I see, uh, well, not quite as uh, strong as she's making, though. She's, she's well, making if you're a betting man, you think she'll scrape in here, would I you? I think she might well scrape in. Do I conclude from that that perhaps you're a Lib Dem voter? No, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a Conservative voter nationally and a Lib Dem locally. Uh, do you live around here? Do you vote? Yes, I do. And yes, I do. <laughs> Who are you going to vote for? Uh, Conservative. You always vote Tory? Yes. And uh, you've thought so far David Cameron's had the best of the campaign? I do, yeah. 
What about the local MPs? We're in a sort of Lib Dem corner of London here, aren't we? Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people admire, admire Vince Cable a bit, don't they? The uh, shadow chancellor down the road in Twickenham? I just no? think it's time for a change and I think the uh, Tories can bring us up. I started the day intending to report Labour's morning press conference. Alan Johnson, uh, Peter Mandelson, uh, serenely calm at that time of the day. Little did he know what was in store with him later on. No room for that, I'm afraid, after the uh, Brown controversy. But we did catch Channel 4's uh, anchorman, John Snow. He's seen plenty of elections. What did he think? Um, very strange indeed. I mean, uh, Yes, it is, but why? Uh, because there doesn't really appear to be a campaign. I mean, the campaign I- is a sort of void between the debates. It sucked up all the energy? Absolutely sucked all the energy out of the campaigns. This, this one is a shambles, we're at Labour, but uh, the Liberal Democrats n- know better, uh, and the Tories too. Didn't Channel 4 bid to get one of these debates? Would you be a bit less cross if you'd had one on your own side? You doing it, perhaps? Curious enough not. I'm not sure that I'm a good man to function with 76 rules. I'm pretty bad at maintaining the very few that Ofcom uh, inflict on me. Did C4 try and get a debate? Oh, you bet, yes. My God, we pushed. What's wrong with your bit? We wanted Jamie Oliver to do it. Oh, did we? Well, uh, uh, that caught you, Michael. Yes, it'd be very rare you hear Michael White stuck for words, but he is. That'll do, that'll quite enough. End this interview. Well, there you have it from the horse's mouth. The reason Channel 4 didn't get out a debate was that they suggested that uh, Jamie Oliver did it rather than someone like Jon Snow. We'll be back with the debate which was arranged tomorrow, the third and last debate on the economy, Gordon Brown's Strong Suite, hosted by the BBC. Uh, we'll be discussing it after the show. Hope you'll join us then. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.